the Fail On Podcast, episode 014. The one recommendation or advice that I would give is to identify what and how you can add the most value to another person's life. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. Hey there, and welcome to the show that believes you are destined for more and that failing Your way to an inspired life is the only way to get there. Today, we're sitting down with Ree Perez. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, and brand builder. Ree has created an inspiring business called Branding for the People, where they bring Fortune 100 branding to small to medium-sized businesses. Ree's a great friend. He's an inspiring entrepreneur and has really, really unique insights on getting started in business and creating a life full of impact. We'll be discussing the best way to get started in business and how chasing money is not only short-sighted, but can be soul-crushing without the right mindset. About the shortness of life and making life matter and how every single moment is not only precious, but an opportunity. And the absolute simplest way to get started in business by asking one single question. But first, if you'd like to stay up to date on all the Fail On podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest, simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. That's failon.com. Just to get right into it, Re, for a little context, and so we know a little bit more about you and your background, when did you first take the leap into entrepreneurship, and what made you want to go that route? You know, interestingly, I've been thinking about this because I've really been technically an entrepreneur for just a little over seven years, but I think I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. I remember being at 14 years old, just wanting to figure out how I can make money, and at the time, it was just mainly so I can buy the stuff that I wanted to buy. So I can kind of toggle between that past versus like the true entrepreneurship, which is about seven years ago when I left, you know, I worked at some of the top global branding firms and my last post was in Dubai in the UAE in the Middle East. And there was just something, I went through a series of personal life-changing events that had me leave that. And I was trying to figure out if I wanted to work for someone else again, or if I wanted to do something on my own, and I wanted to charter my own history and create my own economy, took about six months off to just figure it out. And I knew that I knew that I needed to do something on my own, that I that I wasn't wired to work for someone else, and started my own agency, I knew that I wanted to do branding, and I just I no longer wanted to work with fortune 500 companies, and working at some of the big firms. So I decided to essentially start my own agency. So just on that note, how long ago did you start branding for the people? And just for a little context and a timeline, what were you doing directly before that? Were you working with the agency in New York? Yeah. So, well, so I left New York. So my story, just to go back a little bit, just uh, inconsistent with the theme of this podcast, (laughs) You know, I was in New York and I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I kept getting recruited to work for all these other firms. And I was like, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to live in New York anymore. And I I got recruited to go work for this position in Dubai. And I also fell in love around the same time. And it's someone I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. But through a series of events, we said, oh, let's 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 go to Dubai. And we did. And I was out there for about six months, and I thought it was going to be a big position. It was, you know, tax-free income when you're working as an expat, and it was a high-profile position, and it was exciting. It was a different, different part of the world, and I was going to use that as a jumping point to go to different countries and, and travel and explore that side of the world. But, you know, as life would have it, I went through a breakup, and I went, came back to New York, and I decided that that wasn't the the trajectory that I was going to go on. And so I left that position, that opportunity. What year is this? Just This is in 2010. Okay. Yeah, 2010. So yeah, it was a, it was actually a dark period in my life because uh, that that breakup was more impactful 
wasn't life-threatening by any chance, but it was certainly life-impacting for me. But it was also an awakening thing for me, just being able to, to look at, you could say that that opportunity was a failure, <laughs> you know, going to Dubai and, and chasing the money. And I'd say that my relationship, that was a failure. But yeah, that was a catalyst. Like I said, I took six months off and I said, well, what was my purpose? You know, I even went to Sedona, Arizona. I did a lot of reading and journaling, read a lot of spiritual books, but I also read some, I read some business books. You know, I read the four hour work week trying to figure out, well, what should I do next? And through a series of events, I came up with the idea, branding for the people. And the the vision was to do all the things that I love doing with regards to branding, but to work with brands that were making some sort of economic and social impact in people's lives. And that led me to entrepreneurs. So it's an interesting spot, right? Because if you don't mind me asking, how old were you in 2010 when you decided to do that? I'm trying to remember what's the age <laughs> that I give now. <laughs> so let's see, I'm 45 now, so do the math. <laughs> okay, okay. So like late so 30s. Late, late 30s. Okay, yeah. Which is an inter- interesting spot for somebody that's, you know, had worked in some big companies working, you know, in kind of the corporate world, right? Yeah, it was corporate. Even though it was a creative environment, it was still corporate. Hmm. Like you had somebody to report to every day. You had a place to go. Yeah, there was a hierarchy. There was a certain politics that you needed to to manage and wrestle with. So I think the easiest thing for you to do, like after that Dubai stint, right, would be, okay, let's regroup and let's find another high-paying job at somewhere else. Because that's the easiest path, right? That's the easiest path. So what made you really say, you know what, screw it. Let's let's do my own thing. I'm here for, I'm here. I have more potential than working for somebody else. I can build my own thing. What was kind of the catalyst that really made you go that route versus just getting another high-paying job? Well, all of these things were happening to me at the same time. And this happens to everyone differently, you know, entrepreneur in terms of why they get into it. For me, it kind of was a series of all these different things that were impacting my life. And I just knew deep down in my gut that how I wanted to spend my time, time is actually one of my highest values, right? Like giving my time, you know, I don't know if you ever studied the whole five love languages thing actually yeah (laughs) so it's like time and physical affection is like my top two love languages but when it comes to time like i could care less about material things and and whatnot but my time is really important and so i looked at how do i want to spend my time and with the time that i have and i knew that it had to be purposeful i mean to answer your question that was really the driving force is what was my higher purpose and yes it's branding but I'll say a term which is overused in many different industries, but it's meaningful in the context of this conversation. The business that I'm really in is transformation. And branding is just sort of the the paintbrush <laughs> that we used to transform people's lives. Give me an example of that. Well, there's a couple different levels. The first level is that a lot of the clients that we work with are transformational leaders, personal development leaders, experts authors, speakers, and they're doing some form of transformation, whether it's transforming people's finances, transforming people's mindset, transforming people's businesses. So there's some form of that. So we work with a lot of those leaders. Was that the intention as you got into the business that you wanted to work with those types of people or did it kind of just gravitate towards It kind of gravitated towards that. And, you know, they say you attract that which you are. So I've done lots of personal development work. You know, I'm trained in being able to co- coach large groups of people and and I'm trained in a lot of distinctions in personal development. So I, I guess when you're when you're in a conversation, you kind of surround yourself with people who speak the same language. So I definitely attracted that mainly because I can understand what they're saying. And I knew that while what they're doing is important and meaningful, they might not be the best at marketing it and branding it. And so I was like, well, that could be my gift. That could be my contribution to helping them be able to do what they do better, or at least make it visible and relevant and meaningful. So, I mean, that's one level. And then the other level too, in terms of transformation, they might not be experts or speakers, but they might be consumer products, right? That are making people's lives better. (laughs) So I look at that as transformation. So when you look to work for, when you look to take on a client, are you specifically looking for that? Like something that's actually making a difference in the world? Like, would you turn down, 
somebody that's selling Amazon widgets that don't really change lives for yeah, you know, so with the with the company called Brain for the People, it does naturally tend to attract that people who are making some sort of difference in impact. Have we taken on a client or two that's not front and center in terms of tr- changing the world or changing people's lives? Yes. Will I say that there are long-term clients? Probably not. You know, we are servicing many different people. I would say that at least 98% of our clients are making some sort of difference. But to answer your question... Yes. I mean, there's three things that I, I tend to look for when it comes to working with clients. One, what's their purpose? You know, why are they in this business and why do they want to even create a brand? And it's really telling when you get the answer to why people are doing this, right? The second thing is I look at, you know, sort of the the mindset. And, you know, I'm not a mindset coach. <laughs> there's lots of great experts and friends that we have that they can teach that and they can work with that. And, you know, there's a certain level of mindset to be able to step into a big game. So I look, we look for people, entrepreneurs who are playing a big game. And then the third thing they look for is that they're looking for something that is their own signature mark, their own legacy or their own distinction. People who don't want to be a me too brand, you know, and I can go on I mean, it might be a separate podcast, but I'm, I represent many different societal identifiers, and yet I don't represent any of them. And so I love being different. I've always felt different. I always felt like I never fit in any particular category. So I celebrate that. So I try to find people who really want to stand out. And not for the sake of standing out, but to stand out because they have some kind of unique message, unique gift, or unique service, or unique angle, whatever that is, like... I'm drawn towards businesses that are really not only looking to make a difference, but have something unique and distinct in the marketplace. So, Makes sense. Yeah. So to kind of, because I think it's a really interesting spot being where you were kind of at the, the late 30s mark and then really taking the plunge. So I guess on that note, for somebody that's listening right now that might be in the same spot, maybe they have a good job, they've been in the corporate world mm-hmm. for for 10 plus years, but they have that feeling inside of them. That's like, I know there's more, there's more, there's more to this. I don't want to do this for the next 30 years. What would you tell that person? Well, I know I gave one example in terms of the position, like going to Dubai and so forth. But if I looked at a couple of different failures in throughout my life, the, the thing that the reason why you could say that those became failures is because I led with what's going to make me money. Mm. Yeah. That's, <laughs> trust me, I, I resonate with this a lot. Yeah. So it's like whenever you lead with what's going to make me a lot of money, that's always a recipe for failure. Well, I'll say that in parentheses because perceived failure might, I mean, everyone might have their own different perception of failure. But for me, it would be perceived as a failure because you're not living your true purpose in life. So, So the one thing is, wherever you are, if you're in a corporate position, you might like it, you might like it a lot, but ask yourself the question. Or if, let's say you're thinking about starting a business, you're not working and you're thinking about starting a business, or maybe you are in a business already, ask yourself the question, are you doing this for the money? Are you doing it for, you know, 80 to 90% is the reason why you're doing it for the money. Now, not to put a judgment on that, if you are, it's to, to ask yourself the next question, which would be, what would be possible if 80% of why you're doing what you're doing is for a higher purpose? And then the money follows. Like, what would life be like for you? What would the experience of showing up to work every day be like? Knowing that there's going to be ups and downs, but what would the experience of that be knowing that you're fully aligned with what you're meant to do and that your, your life is fulfilling and you're making money. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think it also brings up, I think the challenge there for a lot of people is, you know, in one hand they have, maybe they're doing it for the money, but it's making them decent money and it's supporting their lifestyle or their family, paying their mortgage, et cetera. I get that. Yeah. And then on the other hand, they know they're only doing it for the money. They know they want that. It's not what they're here for. It's not why they're on this earth. They're here to do, know, something else. do something else, do something with a greater 
sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that? How do you... Yeah, I love this question because as long as you know why you're doing what you're doing, if you're very clear that if you're doing something to make money, that might not be your legacy or your life's purpose. But if there is a life purpose and you relate to that job or that position as your bank loan, right? As your funding source for your passion project or your the thing that is really going, as long as you have a plan, because you could relate to that as like a piece of the puzzle to get to where you got. Now, you know, I started the business seven years ago, but I look at all the historical set of experiences that I've went through, they were all building blocks towards to prepare me for what I'm doing now. And so, yeah, all of those positions helped fund <laughs> my life and obviously give me experience to be in the position to be able to. Right, right. And I think in your case, tell me if I'm wrong, is so you stopped and you took six months off, but you had you had money in the bank to kind well, of... Well, no. I, I, okay. I just realized that was like I set myself up. A, <laughs> it wasn't like I had a lot of money in the bank to, to then go and start a business. I, I actually generated about $50,000 in credit card debt because I knew that it was more important for me to figure out my purpose first than to quickly jump into a job. I needed that space to think through it. So I racked up and I had a mortgage in New York and I was like, oh, I'm just going to live on credit cards. Yep. And you'll figure it out. And, and I'll figure it out. Sure. Sure. So I think that's the other side of it, right? Is like, and I know I work best in that kind of respect is if, and I know it's not for everybody and there's a lot of differing opinions on this is I'm good with my back against the wall. Like mm, when, yeah, me too. when it's like, <laughs> yeah. when it's like, you've got to make this happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's, there's no greater fire for me. Yeah. But for a lot of people, you know, I hear the, I hear the advice a lot of like, you know, don't burn the ships. Let's, let's be more practical about it's this. Safe. Yeah. Let's use it as a bank loan and put some money over into the business. For me, that's never, it's always been like kind of one toe in one toe out type of thing where it's, it's really hard for me to commit fully if I'm spread like that. So I don't know. And I don't, you're wired differently. I mean, right. but just, so let's out of respect for where everyone's at, you know, right. The distinction here is you either create your own urgency or it's created for you. Right. Yeah, it's a very good point. <laughs> so if you get fired from your job tomorrow, would you have the wherewithal to be able to, to take action and make it work for you? Or do you create your own urgency? Like you said, like when, you know, if you, there was a point where I was in a position, this is years ago, I think in my 20s, I forget the time frame now, I actually quit a job without having another job lined up. That would be an example of me creating my own urgency. Right, I was like, I got bills to pay. Right, so I quit my job. Most people are like, "You're crazy. Why would you do that?" And I'm like, "Because I like you, Rob. Like that's how I work best. Is like, there's no alternative other than up, or there's no alternative other than to make this next thing work." So, <laughs> so another another alternative here. I was talking to Drew in yeah. the workshop this week actually, yeah. and Drew was like, "So this is what I did." Like, I don't know if I'd recommend this. I don't know if it's legal, but this is what I did. <laughs> so he just basically said, okay, I'm going to, he's working at a corporate job making like 60 K a year. And he was like, I hate this. I want to start my own thing. So he basically just kind of stopped doing his job, even though he's, he was still employed, but he just stopped doing it. Right. And he eventually got fired. But after he eventually got fired, he was like, okay, well now I've got 1900 a month to live on unemployment, which can fund my business. So he's like, he's like recommendations, like nineteen hundred, nineteen hundred a month. <laughs> okay, but he was like, you know, stop doing your job, you'll eventually get fired, collect unemployment, and go start your business with that money, and you're good. <laughs> I don't know if I would give that advice, but that was Drew's advice. <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> that's one way to do it. <laughs> that's one way to do it for sure. You know, and I think the other thing too, just one thing, and I, I don't know if you were going to ask me this, but it's so front center for me is that. You know, in terms of what I would tell anyone in wherever you are, right, is one of the big reasons why I work with the people that I work with is so that people don't live their life in fear. Why I do what I do or what my message would be, one of my other messages would be, is not to live your life in fear. Because even failure is, you can say that it has a lot of fear associations to it, but embrace failure and 
not live your life in fear because that's a mental construct that we've imposed on ourselves, right? So, and I always like to think like, what's actually the worst that's going to happen? Exactly. I love that scenario planning. Like, it's all right, what's the worst that can happen? At the end of the day, you try stuff, you lose money, it doesn't work, you learn something. At the end of the day, you're still going to have a roof over your head because you can still get a job. You can yep. go be a server somewhere. Yeah. You can do things to make money to cover your bills. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about think about what like what's the worst that could happen, you go back and get a job. Maybe you, you know, you eat some of your pride and you just do it. Right. Because it's part of the journey. And that could also be, just by the way, that can actually be a motivator <laughs> to have you keep going at it with your business because the idea, I was actually talking with Drew about this too. It's like, that's actually not even an option. Like that would be the, if that was a worst case scenario or, you know, it's like that actually becomes a motivator to make this work, to make entrepreneurship work. Totally. Like I kind of remove some things and I think about going back to a job and it like makes me want to puke. Like literally, <laughs> like it makes my stomach like churn. Yeah. And I'm like, no way in hell would I ever <laughs> do that again. <laughs> but that's me in your five years of adulthood <laughs> five years of adulthood. <laughs> get out of here all right so out of all your struggles along the journey like thinking back which one really makes you think and go man I, I just wouldn't be here today without that happening to me like what what moment or point of impact in your life gosh you know i know i brought up the dubai examples i would say there's a few different moments right the first one was, and, there, and the theme, I'll give a couple different examples, but the thematically is what I was saying earlier, is always when I was chasing the money. You know, I was 19 and I was in New York and I was in a completely different position at the same time that I, that I landed. You know, I was going to NYU and I got offered a full-time position to go work and I'd make money <laughs> and they were going to pay my tuition. So I went to school part-time. Anyway got this position and then I left it a year later to go work in real estate and I sucked at real estate <laughs> in New York it was a highly competitive and volatile environment so I was not making it was commission-based only I would show an apartment and I'd be like you like it no all right <laughs> you know and so you I, just you just couldn't like get into it really like it wasn't a passion or... it wasn't a passion I could care less if they wanted to take this apartment or not I was just thinking about the commission checks, right? Like, you know, they, I saw an ad. So it's money focused again. <laughs> it was money focused. The other one was obviously the turning point uh, when I was working at one of the big firms and I knew that I was not going to ex excel or keep, I was, there was a, there was a gray ceiling for me or a glass ceiling. I call it the gray ceiling because the reason why I was not going to accelerate was because I did not look old enough. Mm, interesting. You know, they said I didn't have enough white hair. This was at a big New York agency where that was just kind of the we culture, right? Yeah, we won't mention the name of the company because it's illegal to... to sure. To yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's HR, like <laughs> HR. It's HR number one no-no. <laughs> so that was one. But what was I chasing there? Maybe it was more money. Maybe it was more e ego-based. And then my last post was in Dubai because you could say that moving Dubai, there was no real reason for me to move to Dubai. You know, there's just a lot of things just that aren't aligned, their values are not aligned with mine, but I was chasing the money. And I was like, wow, I could live there tax-free. And I'd use that as the jumping point. I use that as my bank loan to go and travel to these different places. But, and that's why I say, you know, if you, if you just lead with what's going to make you money, that's short-lived or short-term thinking. I agree with that hundred percent, but I feel like for, you know, for those listeners that are in a position where, financial resources are limited, I feel like it's natural for that to be their number one focus, right? Because that's, you know, like, man, I just need money. If I had some money, a lot of my problems would be solved. I'd be less stressed. You know, I'd get out of debt, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you balance, one, not having a ton of financial resources, and two, but still, and still trying to live your higher purpose? Or is yeah. it a progression? Do you focus on the money first and then go to purpose? Everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone has a different experience of it and i can only reference sort of my perspective on it to be honest i, I didn't come from money sort of I'm, i was raised with a you know very humble family in fact at one point 
Well, let me answer your question because uh, just as a as a context for people who don't know me, is that it's not like I was raised with money, and everything that I've created was because of the drive and the hustle that that was with inside me to be able to create things. So I get what it means to not have money, and I get the driver for wanting to make money if you don't have it. The tweak that I wanted to make with that is. There are times where you chase the money, knowing that it's going to help you do something that you ultimately want to be doing, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. My proposition is: Well, what would it be like if you were to be able to chase the dream of which money is the vehicle or the means to get that? And if you're not making any money. First, identify what's the dream, and what's the why behind making that money, and if the career or the job or the business that you're going to start, if you're an entrepreneur, is in alignment towards that dream, awesome. If it's not, just know that that's a stepping towards stone. <laughs> excuse me, towards achieving that dream. So it's less about a balance; it's about a mindset of what comes first. Yeah, I know. I like that, and I think it's something that most people don't spend a lot of time on. Is actually, you know, with social media, everything's so busy nowadays. It's really easy to get stuck on that hamster wheel of just going yeah. through life and going to your job, coming home, having dinner, going to see your friends, going to the bar, etc. So I think it's not something that people really sit with and ponder enough, True. figuring out why are they here? Like, what do you really want to do in this life? Like we were talking about it before before we even got on the air. Life short, man. Life Life's short. Life, you know, could be could not be here tomorrow. So it's really about just taking life by the horns and living it today. Like there's not going to be a tomorrow, which sounds cliche, but you know, it's true. It's it's a hundred percent. It's true. true, and I think that's one of the reasons why I loved what your podcast is about. It's you know, really being an inspirational force for people to take action because, like you said, as cliche as it is, it's like obviously life is not guaranteed tomorrow. And for a while you're here, it's like, make every moment matter. And, you know, not that life's not going to hit us and smack us on top of the head. Everything is an opportunity. Every moment is precious. What are you most afraid of? Well, I think... It's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough question, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay. I've done, so, you know, if you asked me this 15 years ago, I might have said something else, but I've done so much... <laughs> personal development work that my neurological patterns are so programmed to focus on the opportunity of things. And so by and large, I don't think I live in fear. But that being said, I think that what keeps me up at night, which might be the same thing as what I'm most afraid of, is not living a life where I've seen and traveled all that I want to see in the world. Now, I know might sound hey, I don't know me I don't know how it sounds to people but for me it's like there's so much of the world to see and then I would never want to actually be on my deathbed thinking that I didn't do something experience something or have a relationship with someone because I was too busy making money or I was too busy or just too busy and not that I don't, I mean, I do have a busy life, but it's being able to have all the beauty that life has to offer exactly how you want it. So living a designed and creative life, I would fear going back to work for someone else. <laughs> you know, they say when you should become an entrepreneur, it's like, you're kind of set, you're, you're never going to work for anyone else. But yeah, aside from that, I don't really live a lot in fear other than maybe sharks you know, tackles that. <laughs> Telling my wife, she like she would not go into any water that's murky. Could be a lake. There's sharks in here. Yeah. No, but yeah, I get that. So, yeah, I'm going back to this whole concept of somebody that you know, a listener that might be in the spot where they're looking for that perfect business idea, mm. which doesn't exist, obviously. Because there's a lot of directions. People get into business thinking their first business is going to be the only business they do for the rest of their lives, which right. for some people, 
That may be the case. That may be the case. But for uh, most yeah. people, vast majority of people, they'll probably do a lot of businesses start that don't work, that have mild success, and they'll move on and they'll continue to build different sure. things. What's one directive or action item that you would give to somebody that's in that position where they don't really know what to start? They know they have a higher purpose. They know they want to do something. They're just kind of paralyzed by one, the fear of failure, and two, they just don't know where to start or they're overwhelmed by too much information, which is very easy to have happen with everything online nowadays. Yeah. So to ladder up everything that I've been saying around not living your life in fear and making every moment matter, the one recommendation or advice that I would give is to identify what and how you can add the most value to another person's life. So what do I mean by that is like, as a business owner, as a human being, <laughs> you know, as a friend or a family, figure out how can you add value to someone else's life? Is there a problem that you can solve for them? Can you make another person's life better? Can you inspire someone? And, and I say someone like a singular person, but maybe for some of you listening, it might be large groups of people. But if you think about how can you add value to another person's life and you lead with that everything else kind of always works itself out if you want to monetize that you can monetize that if you're adding value if you're solving a problem in the world and the money will come the opportunities will come the people who who have a problem that need to be solved if you can add value to them they'll come and they'll refer people to you so simplistic as it may sound is just focusing on adding value to someone's life. Mm, I like that. So with branding for the people and you're just getting started, take us through how you were able to do just that, add value, help somebody and how you're able to get your first client. You know, I did a, a strategy not knowing that was really a strategy. <laughs> like I said, I was working for big firms and I was used to having resources at my disposal. I was used to someone else paying the payroll and so forth. But when I first started the company, I, I did what's called a pre-launch phase. And I said, okay, let me find three to five people that I can add value to. And I'll charge them a fraction of the price of what I eventually will be charging and say, hey, let me help you solve your problem. A little your test group, basically. A little test group. And all I would request in return is if I added value to you, that, I, that you write a testimonial for me. So I, I, I got five testimonials at least, and then you rinse and repeat, right? And then you, I basically just did that for the next level, and I kept doing that and doing that to the point where now I'm billed at, you know, $20,000 a day, you know, whereas before I think, I, I, I don't know, those few, few first few clients, they're quite lucky. I think they got me for like 1000 bucks or something. Not that the, the money matters, it's just as running an agency with nine people and the role that I have in the company, my time is spent on, uh, on other things. I can't be in the business as much. But What made you do that strategy in terms of you know low, low charging for a small test group and getting testimonials? It's because I remember I was coming from working with Fortune 500 companies. And so- Is that the, something they do? No, it was just more like the mindset of like, I knew what my bill rate was and I knew- the budgets for a Fortune 500 company is different than entrepreneurs. So I knew that if I needed to understand what the market would quote unquote bear in the entrepreneurial space, I kind of needed to figure out what are the problems that they're wrestling with. Because the branding problem of an entrepreneur is different than the branding problem of Coca-Cola or Target or Apple, right? I mean, yeah, it's still branding and perception and so forth, but I had to adapt this big brand thinking to the solo entrepreneur. And this was your first time ever working? First time ever. In that space? Yeah. Okay. So making sure I answer your question, but that, that was definitely what I had done was to just add value. So you weren't, just, you weren't just looking to get these people on just for a quick testimonial. You were actually digging into what their needs, problems, yes. and yep. trying to figure out how you can best solve those, right? Yeah, exactly. And it also helped me to frame how do I need to go to market with our offerings? So big companies, they'll spend lots of money on market research. I didn't have that resource to do that. So I said, well, just, 
I knew I wasn't going to make money, but a thousand bucks at that time was better than nothing. It was, you know, a thousand dollars closer to getting out of debt, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or at least put food on the table that particular week. Sure. <laughs> so I just knew that if I need to do that. And the other thing that that does, it builds momentum. You know, you get three to five people, then they tell three to five people how excited they were. And then they tell people, there was one other thing I was going to bring up if I had time. And it was just how I, what I did to add value is I put on an event, a one day event to 50 people. And I said, come spend a day with me. I will show you and teach you everything that I know about branding in, in the time that I have. And if you are absolutely, if it makes a difference for you, awesome. Write a testimonial or hire me for the next level. And if it doesn't, then I refund your money back. And no one asked for a refund. It's awesome. So that's validation right there, right? <laughs> so it's an approach. Yeah. You know, but that's why I mentioned if there was one recommendation, it's just add value to people's lives. Yeah, and I think the way you approach it's actually like as simplistic as it is, it's brilliant because it's it's something that everybody sitting at home right now or in their car or at the gym can do. Yeah. You find a group of three to five people, all that have a similar problem. Yep. You know, do it for free, even if you have to. Exactly. And just try to solve those problems. Get testimonials and boom, you're off to the races. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. So might sound simple, but you know, it, it works. It, it, it works, and it, but it does actually take some work to to go do that, right? It's not just going to be falling in your lap. So it does take some hustle. So as you know, fail on's the mantra we live by here, with the idea being that if you're not failing, you're not growing. So how do you force yourself to get out of your comfort zone even today? You know, it's so interesting because I feel like I'm always outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> I'm the type of person that I look for mastery. I look at developing what I, how can I master my game? And along that path, I like to test, try different things. You know, all the quote unquote gurus might be teaching one thing and I might want to do something completely different. You know, someone says you can't do this. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it this way. You know, every single time, you know, like I was at actually the event that I hosted this past weekend, there's a certain format and I'm like, I'm not doing it this particular way. So a little bit of a rebellious kind of guy, I kind of forced those opportunities to get outside my comfort zone purely by doing something different. I don't want to say innovative or creative. I mean, that's, I just do things different and that forces me to to be outside of my comfort zone. You know, if you're constantly, you know, driving the same way to go to a destination, it's like you're going to get used to it. And and that you're kind of living in the subconscious. There's, or you're doing things unconsciously, but when you force yourself to try a different route, you use the brain <laughs> a little bit more in terms of being more aware of what's happening. It's also along the lines of, you know, herding sheep, right? If you find yourself... Yeah on the side of the majority it's time to reconsider, you know, and look at doing things the opposite. Because if you're with the majority, you're probably going to a nine to five job. And that's true. And you know, that's kind of the opposite of what, of what entrepreneurs and creatives do and think. You know, I want to say just for the sake of this, and I know you're, you know, you asked, the, you asked a great question, but I, I feel like I'm compelled to say that it's not easy doing things different or pushing out your side out of your comfort zone. It's not even easy being an entrepreneur. You know, there are times where, or even the CEO of a small company. It's way harder than being an employee. Like it, it's, in many ways, it's very, it's very way it's harder. More painful. It's a lot yeah. more stress. So it's not, yeah, it's definitely not for everybody, but continue. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more stressful because everything rolls up to you. You're the one that's making the decisions and your livelihood. And, and others' livelihood. And yeah. other people's livelihood. You know, they're dependent on you. So... While it's stressful, it's equally rewarding. But I was going to say, it's what makes it not so hard, not so easy at times is that as you progress or as you're like the top in the, even the coach, it's a little bit lonelier. It doesn't have to be that way. And that's why we have mastermind groups and colleagues and so forth. It's a little bit lonelier because people are kind of looking to you to lead the way. And, you know, there might be different philosophies around this and maybe there's another perspective that I should consider, but from the experience I'm um, having been running my business for seven years is when you're kind of the person that people go to, when you're the one that's leading the way, you have less people around you. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I've and I've it's a common it's a common thing I've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs actually is it's it gets lonely up there. Yeah. And one, I think it's because there's not that many people that can relate to you, right? That's yeah. why, you know, that's why we're in a mastermind together. That's that's yep. how you surround yourself with other people that are doing similar things. But yeah, on the day to day, I I totally get it, and it's a common theme. What's failure mean to you? If you had to boil it down. Hmm. You know, even the answer to this question, I feel like, okay, how can I say it differently <laughs> than everyone else? Well, surprisingly enough, <laughs> most most answers have been have been pretty different. Have been pretty different. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. So well, this is this is for you to be different, <laughs> <laughs> as we just talked about. Failure is a necessary ingredient to living. I like that. I like that you said in, with living, not not business, not entrepreneurship, not anything specific it's life it's life and just to you can use it metaphorically so but i'll not use a business analogy right so you know listen when i went through that breakup and i fell real deep in love like you know both feet in here's what i got from that experience is that it's you know the phrase right it's better to have love than to not have loved at all having that experience and the taste of what that is is far more valuable in my life like yeah that that relationship failed right but the experience of that and the taste of being deep in love has trickled into every aspect and had i not gone through that process i would have not have started my business so it's an ingredient towards living <laughs> towards life and i think an important part of this is that it's probably take. I, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but it's probably taken you a while to be able to say that, right? To be able to yeah. get to the point where you looked at it as a learning experience, as a catalyst. Yeah, because when I you're deep in it, it when was you're deep like, in it, it's, it's the, the world's over, right? It sucks, right? <laughs> it took at least a year or two. That's true, but to be honest, I did channel my energy towards you know starting the business. So, yeah, it's um, it worked out, and it was a necessary ingredient. How's that for a definition of failure? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's right up there. <laughs> Top 10. <laughs> Who's had the most profound impact on your life? And what did they teach you? Ah, oh, gosh, I just have to pick one, huh? Just one. Maybe two. You know, I'd like to say, I'd like to respond with two because one might seem like an obvious one or one might be like something that that most people will say. But I do have to say this. It, one is definitely my mom. She has taught me at a very, very young age. She, she had a terminally ill disease. And my mom is still alive today. She had a terminally ill disease. And I used to complain about, and she had a disease where it's like, it was similar to muscular dystrophy, where she could not move or walk at times because she just didn't have the muscle strength. And I remember complaining around taking out the trash once. And she, she said to me, and I just remember it so clearly, it was like, you should be grateful that you have the opportunity that you can do that. And as simple as, as just taking out the trash as a kid where I would complain about it, she taught me at a very early age that everything that you're able to do, never take it for granted because some people can't do it. Simple things as walking or hearing or listening or talking. And so I never take that for granted. Um, she's my rock. Such she's a powerful lesson. Powerful lesson. She's my rock and she's... She's been the most, had the most impact on, she's not just my mom, she's my best friend, she's, she's everything, right? So that's one. And then the other thing too, I'll put them in a category. There's three books that I read when I was going through this journey. And there was uh, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, The Path to Love, which is Deepak Chopra, and The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. And collectively, I'll put them in a group of spiritual leaders who have just allowed me to focus on self-love. And that's an impact on me because, yeah, while I was going through a breakup and while I was chasing money uh, times or while I was doing all these different things, all of that noise really was designed to teach me to take a step back and look at loving yourself first. And everything comes from that. When you love yourself, you are then 
a whole different person to be in love with someone else. You attract a different person. When you love yourself, you create a business that's for yourself <laughs> and the things that you want. And when you love yourself, you're able to, to have better relationships with your family and friends. And so, you know, I think that was in the subconscious in terms of like, oh, I don't know that I was fully loving myself. We all have some version of like, I'm not X enough, right? But you just focus on self-love. I mean, those three books, specifically those three different people collectively have really had an impact on me in terms of really looking at self-love. And that kind of is the guiding force on everything that I do, even in my business, but also in my life. Was that a deep dive that you did in the six months yeah. post Dubai? Yeah. Where you're trying to figure things out? Yeah, definitely. The first book was The Power of Now. I was still in Dubai before I left. I was like, a, there was a month there where I was trying to transition out of that job, going through a breakup. And I just happened to stumble across and in the Dubai mall, one of the largest malls in the world. I was like, let me go pick up a book. <laughs> Power of Now was right there. And you could say that book saved me. <laughs> cool. That saved my sanity. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's powerful. Outside of, so I know you mentioned earlier that you've, you know, you've done a ton of internal self-development type work. Outside of those three books, what, what other things do you do to, to grow as a person and as a business leader? Yeah, there's a few things. I think my top three things are definitely meditation. That's definitely one in terms of clearing my mind because I'm constantly thinking throughout the day. Do you do that in the morning or what's your kind of practice for that? Mostly in the morning. And then there are times where I'll do that in the evening. But I think what usually happens is is in the morning. It's a subset of meditation, but it is different. But yoga is really good because that helps me be more aware in my body. And there's always obviously room for me to be in better shape. But like doing doing yoga is really more about awareness of being in my body, right? And, and the other thing, the third thing, to be honest, it might sound simple and I'm not trying to be all stoic or anything. But it's just finding opportunities to laugh more. Someone once told me, when you're laughing, you're in the present. And so I was looking for opportunities. That's why I'm always joking around. That's why I'm always like just having fun because it keeps me in the present. It just, I take my business seriously. I take my friendships and family seriously. But they don't take life too seriously. And I think that's, I guess, my way of just saying it's like, all this stuff is important and it's good and, and go for money and go for the business and have big dreams and embrace failure and all that stuff, right? But I think it's more enjoyable when you don't take it so seriously, so significant, because that means you're either living in anxiety around what's to come in the future or you're carrying a lot of baggage of what has happened in the past. And so if you can just have a little bit of lightheartedness and fun, and laughter on the way it keeps you in the present. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I can, I can really actually resonate with that and relate to that because it's something I try to keep in mind too because I get so focused on goals that it's like it does a lot more damage than good. Yeah. Just because there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of, a lot of stress around that. Yeah. So it's an it's a incredibly important point. What would you say to somebody that realizes that they need to, they need to do that as well? How do you do it while also trying to achieve your dreams and goals? Yeah, I know I said it earlier, but the word for me or the distinction is like not making things so significant. When you strip away morality, right and versus wrong. And so you could say that oftentimes the reason why people argue or they, yeah, different points. The reason why or the basis for all of that is because Either you're trying to be right about something or you're trying to prove that you're not wrong about something. And so I bring that up as a, as a way to be like, okay, if you just strip away, is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing? And it's just, is, it, is this just something that just feels good and is fun and light and purposeful and all those things? Like you're on a path. You know, that's the, that's the best way I could say it is to go along a path and to strip away and to remove the things and the thoughts that place a judgment on what you're doing in terms of right or wrong. I like that. 
it's a different perspective. Let's it is. It's that that definitely hasn't been on the show. <laughs> so I got to be different. You know, that's you part do. of my brand. <laughs> so what are you most excited about now? Just life, business, moving forward. What's got you jazzed? Yeah, all of that. You know, there's a few things going on that have an intent. A few intentions that I have going on in my life right now, and and one of them is sort of that next that next relationship. You know, because I'm a I'm the same person, and yet I'm a different person than I was over the past seven years, right? But like the next relationship for me, international travel, you know, I'm being called to speak on different stages around the world, which is awesome. But also just personally going into travel, you know, before I started the company, I used to travel at least once every year internationally. And now I have a business that can enable me to be able to, and I designed it in a way such that I can and should be able to, to travel. And part of that's personally driven, but the other part of that is, you know, as entrepreneurs and when you're surrounded by a lot of inspirational and leading visionaries and leaders, I kind of have a global network of friends. And I'm like, let's take advantage of that and go see them and see the world at the same time. So that's those are the two main ones. I think the third thing, of course, would be just taking my company to the next level where we are looking at different ways that we can better service our clients on a global level, not just you know, predicated on where I'm speaking or the referrals that we have. And, and our team's good. Our agency's good. Our, you know, we have, I have a great group of, of creative talent, but being able to, who knows what's going to happen when we take our offerings and me on the road on an international level. So I'm excited about all of that. That's amazing, man. Well, thanks for having me over at your Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is fun. We're drinking coffee. I was, I'm used to drinking pina coladas during these talks, but coffee's more appropriate at 9 a.m. Yeah. Well, this is fun, dude. Thanks. That was awesome. Thanks for the time. And I will catch you next time. All right. Peace out. All right. All right. You can find Re at brandingforthepeople.com. He's Re, which is R-E, at brandingforthepeople.com for email. And of course, all the links and resources Re and I discuss, including more information on his company, Branding for the People, will be found at the page created especially for this episode. You'll find it all at fellon.com slash 014. On the next episode of the Fellon Podcast, we'll be sitting down with Nick Unsworth. Nick is the founder of Life on Fire and shares quick tips on the best way to get started in entrepreneurship. It's a great chat, a little on the shorter side compared to our typical episode but he does share bite-sized nuggets of gold, so don't miss it. And as I continue to build out this project with the simple goal of getting people to once and for all decide that they're going to fail their way to creating an inspired life, if you could do one thing to support the cause, I'd be ever so grateful. When you click the subscribe button and leave a rating and quick review, this allows the podcast to be visible to more people. To rate and review the podcast, super easy. Just visit failon.com iTunes or failon.com Stitcher. That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.